Welcome to Run With Purposes. This is episode number 38. For those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you subscribe to the show, um, and you can reach out to me on all the socials at flores.run. Uh, this week, I have a, a special guest, and I'm going to call it like a blast from the past. Um, we're, we, uh, we've, I want to say we found each other, but that sounds so damn cheesy. It's, it's just not, that's the wrong way of saying it. It's like, it's like a, a, a Craigslist misconnection. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> what's going on? Why are things, my computer's going crazy. Okay. Um, but yeah, so this week we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about being uncomfortable and what that means. But the friend I have on the show today, we met about 17 years ago and we were just talking before we started recording. It's actually been about 12 years since we've last seen each other. And now we're seeing each other through video screens. But uh, Katie, thanks for joining on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. Pretty exciting, my first podcast. There we go. That's what I, that's what I like to hear because you know what? It can only go up from here, <laughs> you know. Right. So it, and it will it will if you ever did another one it probably it probably would be higher quality. Um, yeah. So yeah, today, like I said, we're gonna kind of dive into about um, being comfortable and how to embrace the uncomfortable situations and circumstances. Obviously, in light of everything that's going on in our world right now, um, there's a lot of situations to be uncomfortable and kind of how we uh, go through that. So Katie, let uh, talk, talk to the people a little bit. Right. So um, being uncomfortable is, is pretty important and something that you certainly don't just, it's not something that magically appears in your life by any means. At no point are you just going to be an expert at, at taking on any uncertain or unknown, if you will. Um, that's actually something I've been exploring. Um, <laughs> I had kind of a journey through my twenties, which was super, I wouldn't say fun. However, it was necessary, I guess. Um, there to get to the person that I've thought that I wanted to be, I don't know that I've could have gotten there without, you know, tripping and falling on my face for lack of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, we grew up in, in well, we went to high school in Wellington, Florida. Um, you and I were a little bit below the standard, I'd say, for the for the uh, the typical Wellington High School attendee. What Katie is saying is neither one of us drove a Porsche to school. Correct. I drove a '94 Celica that I had. Well, my parents did purchase the air conditioning, but um, and I had my '92 Mitsubishi 3000 GT. <laughs> But yours had a very good sound system. So, <laughs> um, mine had, did you, I don't know if you remember this cause you did ride in it. Um, that I had this long key that actually plugged into the dashboard and then linked to my key that I had to turn the ignition with. So I had this like, would you have like a breathalyzer when you were in high school? No, I was like, <laughs> probably needed one. No, by the end of it, it was very good. <laughs> towards the end but no it was like this weird security key so i had this like huh. weapon on the end of my keys it was this long it's like a chain that i carried around i i don't remember that but it was also at least 12 years ago that's true that's very true gosh i feel so old saying that when i wrote that the 17 years in the notes i was like oh this is not good i know and i did not go to my 10-year reunion either but whatever maybe i'll have to do that later did you go to yours no 
Well, all like, so did you keep in touch with really anyone other than Nicole? Um, I did for a hot minute. Um, that's the interesting thing. Uh, my, my path kind of started taking me in a different direction. And a lot of the friends that I had growing up, their life took them in a different direction and in a direction that we couldn't really see eye to eye on anymore. Um, more of a keeping up with the Joneses and just a very interesting, you know, a perspective that's not what I have. (laughs) So, um, yeah, besides Nicole, um, I do keep in touch with probably, probably five people from high school. So, yeah, I, I can't think, I mean, the only person that I still talk to, you might remember him as a new kid, but Mike Perrone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, like I, he's probably one of my, he's probably one of my best friend, if not uh, a very, very good close friend. Cause he's the only person I still talk to. I think out of like anywhere I've been, whether it's North Carolina or Florida, um, I'm actually seeing him in LA in a few weeks. So that'll be nice to, to fly the planes via COVID. Let's see what happens. Roll the dice. Yeah. <laughs> wear your mask yeah. otherwise you'll be put on the blacklist <laughs> yeah i think it's interesting you brought up like the uh the keeping up with the joneses because we can we can fall into that like comfortable kind of stage of like if everyone else is just going this route like i should just do it too because it's going against the grain is a hell of a lot harder not even like um action wise like it's it's obviously hard to go against the grain but then you have all of like the emotions and everything else that comes with it where if you're not doing exactly what everybody else is doing you can kind of feel like you can just basically like be emotionally shut down 100 percent um the saying is or from what i read people are more afraid of criticism from other people than they are of death Ah, i believe that they are more, you know, judgment of other people is scarier to live in a world like that than death. And I, I mean, unfortunately, that is becoming a bit more of a trend mm-hmm. as we moved into this time. But right, right. Uh, yeah. This, yep. <laughs> well, that's how it's like, especially <clears throat> so you're talking about these times and stuff like with COVID as itself, it's, you know, these people are saying, you know, that, that feeling that you're feeling of not seeing anyone, that's basically depression. <clears throat> and you're not really understanding that. Like your, your mind needs people to, to interact with a screen doesn't give you that same kind of feeling as being with someone. And we can kind of get into these riffs of, um, just accepting things the way they are. Like you had made a comment of you kind of grew apart from, the, the way they were living their lives or the trajectory they're on. Like, how did you, how did you deal with that? Um, better than I thought, I suppose. Uh, you get to a point where, um, and that's, I guess my kind of three points. So, um, when, when you start to get uncomfortable, the, the, my path started out, you know, in college, I'd grown up pretty well off. I never really wanted or needed for anything. When I lived in Wellington, Florida, my parents were very good to me. Um, did have chores on Saturday. I did a lot of work around the house. Um, so going into taking care of myself was the easy part. Uh, but living on my own was not. So I went to Colorado. (laughs) 
in high school, I remember I'd gotten into like FSU and to um, Orlando, UCF. UCF, yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, we're gonna go to college. And I went home one day from high school and I started crying and sitting at the table and my mom's like, what is wrong? Like, what is the problem? And I was like, you know, if I do this, I'm going to get a husband and I'm going to get a career and I'm going to get a job and my life's going to be over. And like, that's it. <laughs> and she goes, well, what do you mean? You know, what do you, what do you want to do that you feel like you haven't done? And I was like, I want to snowboard. And she goes, what? what do you mean? She's like, you don't know how to snowboard. And I said, that's the point mom. So <laughs> I had kind of had this realization that I got very scared of what was in front of me yeah. and doing the nine to five and seeing that lifestyle. And I thought I was, you know, kind of had romanticized this great adventure that I would go on. Um, and I was you know, got disappointed with, with adulting and <laughs> realized that it wasn't as easy or as glamorous and that, you know, being in college had some kind of protection and, and it was kind of a party world that you lived in a bubble and then you get out of that bubble. And so I had a degree in economics. I graduated in 2011, a minor in international business. And my first job was hustling straighteners at Sam's club <laughs> in Jacksonville, Florida. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, and, and this is a humbling experience. You know, I made $7 and 50 cents an hour if I didn't meet my sales goals, which mm -hmm. I hardly ever did because no one is buying stuff like that from Sam's club. Right. They avoid, you avoid those salespeople, you know, I was that right. hustler kiosk. You, you go, you go around the other aisle to make yeah, sure you avoid exactly. them. I made up a rap <laughs> about makeup at one point. <laughs> <laughs> That's how busy you were. <laughs> So, and, uh, moved out to Colorado again after I graduated. So I graduated from UNF in Jacksonville, love Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you went to UNF? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess would have been if you would have, uh, never mind. You graduated high I school when I left. Yeah. I did community college for my first two years because I had a, a pretty good scholarship. So I didn't pay anything and I lived in Colorado, but took all my classes online mm. and then went to UNF to finish my bachelor's degree. I went to UNF for a semester because I forgot, I was supposed to stay there longer, but I was there for the spring semester and I was staying on campus housing. And apparently you're supposed to sign up for the fall, like in February. And I didn't know that. So I didn't have a place to live. So I had to move back to West Palm or to work move back to Wellington. And then that's why I graduated from FAU because I had to live at home while I went to FAU. Okay. Well, yeah. So you've been to Jacksonville. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. UNF is like an awesome school. Like the campus is awesome. Like where it's at is awesome. I really like Jacksonville. Yeah. I, that was a good place to have ended up. Um, granted, you know, fell into a crowd that was like partying and we went out all the time, all the time. And mostly in college, I learned how to party. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. And then, and then you hit the reality of going from partying and living in a bubble and going to school to being kicked out on your ass and making seven fifty an hour to, you know, and it kind of kicks you in the teeth. So moved back out to, um, summit County and got a job working at the condo check-in desk and ended up kind of snowballing into only being able to get hospitality jobs. And I was stuck. And I'm thinking, I don't, this isn't the field I got into. I wanted to do business consulting. I have a degree in economics, you know, 
I followed the path that I was supposed to stay on. I got really good grades. I got a scholarship. I did all kinds of sports. And here I am making $7 and 50 cents an hour with a degree that they told me I would be able to get a job with. And that was rough. So worked for Vail Resorts, worked for Quiznos corporate office, worked for Modus, which was recruiting and kind of, in my opinion, recruiting is, is not a step up from indentured servitude when it comes to IT. Because there are people who own other people's visas mm-hmm. and they negotiate the terms and they decide when that person has paid off their debt and what that price is. And they, it, it felt weird. And I bailed and uh, I got a paralegal certificate and pounded payment for three months, took a job making $15 an hour got a raise for 1550 for the next year as a paralegal for, um, it was a small like boutique divorce firm. And let me tell you, I bet the stories you you were there. You want to crash course into legal. You do some divorces with somebody who's been doing it for 35 years or 30 (laughs) years, 32, I think. So, um, that was quite an eye opening experience. Um, But the trend that I started to notice, at least in myself, was the very first thing that happened is I was, I became very disgusted with myself. I started to realize, I started to think, you know, like, I just don't like the person that I see looking back at me in the mirror. I don't, you know, you don't have the, the life that I thought we would have. And I started to dislike myself, which was toxic. So that kind of created a fun cycle, but it was the first part in awareness And the second part in the awareness is getting, realizing that you're not unhappy with yourself and who you are, that you're unhappy with the decisions that you're making. So you start to realize the difference between self and realizing the qualities that you have and separating those from the decisions that you are making for yourself. So I started to, you know, okay, this is a bad decision. Is this decision, is this decision or investment? Because I did like to shop and had a job making $15 an hour. (laughs) So I had to start kind of asking myself, is this decision going to invest in me? Is this going to make me better? Is this going to contribute? Even if it was, you know, entertainment, is this a, a positive entertainment experience kind of thing? And what are the reasons behind making this decision? So started evaluating those and then even took it a step further to get to the point where you started to realize, okay, well, it's not now the decisions that I'm making. It's my mindset that is controlling how I'm acting. And you start to that and that part sucks. Sometimes I really just want to stay mad or stay upset or, (laughs) (laughs) and But knowing that you have control over that is a game changer and taking accountability and being able to harness your mindset, your emotions and your, I don't know, energy, I guess, in a way is the most productive way to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I just want to rant. (laughs) No, it's, it was great. Like I'm trying to like write down notes at the same time because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good little things in there that I, you know, again, we haven't talked in many, many years, but our brief conversations that we were having that kind of led to, Hey, do you want to be on the show? Cause I think it'd be a good conversation is we have a lot of the same similar things, but I was probably 
I would say a little bit, a little bit on the opposite. I got the corporate job. I got what I thought I wanted making money that I thought I wanted to make and doing this. And it's like, all right, you know, I worked for BMW for, for nine years. And I, you know, I was, I was driving company cars and, you know, they flew me out to Munich once. I used to work in New Jersey here and there. And I thought and I had this nice clothes do what to work, right? you were probably wearing nice clothes to work. And yeah, like it was definitely like a different, it was th- this facade of what I thought, like I went to school and I got a finance degree and this is what was going to happen. If I finally made it. And then I like, I really, to your point of kind of thing is like, I became uncomfortable with myself. I hated myself for what I had become because of the decisions I made. And then quickly realized like, Hey, change it. It's that simple. Like you can control these things to a point. Obviously there's circumstances that happen to people and that that's a whole nother um, thing, but you can still control your mindset and how you react in that situation. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react. And I think like you said, it's, once I realized that I said, you know what? I don't, I don't need this shit. Like I don't need to be treated the way I am at work and not valued and all this stuff. I'd rather go take a job making less money and doing this. Now, lucky for me, I applied to a job that, uh, I'm not making less money now. I'm actually making more money and it's great, but it's, but the company has, um, the value of the company has an actual purpose. I'm not just selling rich people, rich cars that, you know, I'm, I'm actually helping people. And I think that was my big thing is I didn't have like a real mission, like my, my, what I wanted to do, help the world or do something to make a difference in some way, shape or form. All I was doing is helping rich people get richer and making sure that they drove fancy cars. And, and at the end of the day, I was like, well, this is dumb. And, you know, and Kayla and I had the, the realization as well as we were doing not necessarily keeping up with the Joneses. Cause we always had that separate of like, we don't need all this extra stuff that other people have. But then we took a hard look and said, why do we need this four bedroom house in the suburbs? We don't sold our house. And now we live in a two bedroom apartment. And now we're even talking about possibly going to a one bedroom apartment. Like we don't need all these things. Let's sell this, like give money and help people and, you know, do things like that. And it's crazy how, like when you rid yourself of all of these extra things that kind of weigh you down, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. Like when you shed those things, just how much like happier you feel, you just feel lighter and just, I don't know. I'm reading a book. I just started yesterday. The, uh, (laughs) yeah, you, I'm reading a book called the, uh, the subtle art of not giving an F and yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm, I'm only in like the second chapter I started reading yesterday, but I'm like, it's, it's that exact mindset. It's not saying, Hey, just F everything. I don't care. But it's the idea of you shouldn't care what other people think about what you're doing kind of thing. You shouldn't be doing something for someone else. Yes. That, and that's been a game changer on how I look at wealth too, because everyone associates money with a very negative context for the most part. Um, what I have learned and expanded my mind to understanding is that wealth doesn't have to be something where you're penny grubbing and you're, you're self-interested. Um, I have a friend that does very well in Jacksonville and I, I solely believe that it is just because she's an amazing person. She never says anything negative about anyone. She doesn't take anything to heart or at least she doesn't show it. It's, you know, you admire those people that are able to put good out into the world and, and completely not care if it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. what comes back, mm-hmm. they don't care. And that is something, you know, she will send me 
motivational stuff. And it doesn't matter if I respond or don't respond. She'll still reach out and say something the next day. That is something, those are the types of people I admire, Mm -hmm. you know, that they can still do that and not take anything personal. And we all take things, you know, very personal and make it about ourselves. And like you were talking about, when you're able to get rid of that and take your power back and it just changes the game. Yeah, it, it really, it really does. Cause it's, you make a point it's there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with money. So just because you make a lot of money with what you do, that's fine. If you make a little bit of money, what you do, that's fine as well. It's when we play that comparison game or look what they have. I mean, we have the problem now with, with social media or media in general, marketing in general, it's, you need to have the latest and greatest all the time and everything. I mean, I, it's funny enough. I don't like, this is my phone. It's the size of a credit card. And it runs Android, but I have no, like, where's my, let's unlock this thing. We're going to get, we're going to get real crazy here. Uh, <laughs> that like, is the tiniest. <laughs> this, this is my home screen. It just has the apps that I use and nothing else. And that's all right. I want to know. Like, and it's things like that. Like when I remember when I switched something as simple as I'm just going to get a tiny phone, people lost their shit. Like, like, how could I do that? Like, that's so against the grain. How are you going to do anything? Does, and it's like, no, I don't need a phone that's the size of my head to make phone calls. And it's, it's yeah, kind of using, that. we're not using, we're letting our tools kind of control us and control our actions instead of the other way around is we should be using these tools to do whatever we want to do and not having the tools use us. Yep, I agree. It's been, (laughs) social media is a game in itself. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of hypocrisy in, in just the fact that unfortunately living an American lifestyle puts you at an advantage that the rest of the world doesn't have. Mm -hmm. And we forget that when we talk to our peers and people and yeah, it's gotten, it's gotten kind of rough lately, but <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with I everything that's going on right now too, and I, I'll commend you for that because you, you are going through your Facebook posts and stuff like that. Like <laughs> it's not, you're never, you're never like argumentative or, um, like condescending to anyone. You, you speak facts and you speak logic into a situation. If someone doesn't agree with you, so be it. You don't like verbally attack them, but you, you give your, your voice on the platform that, that you have and kind of just making things aware. But I, the way you do it and like calling people out on their shit, I like, I, it's one of those where I'm definitely like that, uh, that Michael Jackson meme where I'm just like eating the popcorn, just like sitting back scrolling through your comments. Cause I'm like, that's exactly what I feel like. Uh, that, so the interesting thing that you bring that up, so that is actually one of the ways that I have, I have used to continuously expose myself to being uncomfortable hundred percent. Um, I was not a tactful person in the beginning when I was engaging in conversations of that nature. And I have used that as a way to expose myself to other views to other opinions, to not getting offended, to make myself a bit more tough, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because it's true. I mean, you don't need to, I don't need to take things personally. You know, these people don't know who I am beyond a photo and a few comments. And channeling that and understanding their anger 
and realizing what's coming from the other side puts you in a position to actually have a conversation at some point or to make, you know, nothing good comes from reacting the same way that someone reacts to you. And yeah, I, I, I actually use my Facebook kind of as a platform to, to say things that make me uncomfortable. Like I'm not, I will be honest. I have anxiety, you know, yesterday when I posted the, the, the photo of what I believe, you know, if Aunt Jemima is racist, then I do believe that Cardi B is a racist depiction of a, of a black woman in today's time chasing money and, you know, doing things that are not, as we as society would say are appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, and that gave me a lot of anxiety, (laughs) right? You know, but that's the thing I'm trying very hard to make myself put myself in uncomfortable situations so that I can hear both sides so that I can be unbiased so that I can see, um, there's a demoralized person can't see, hear, or think in my opinion. So to take your power back and to be able to speak from a place where you're able to listen and you're not antagonistic opens you up to even a greater enlightenment and understanding. So it's both selfish and, (laughs) and an attempt to help people at the same time. Yeah. But I think to your point there, like you said, you're making yourself uncomfortable, putting yourself there, especially on social media where people are just vultures waiting for anyone to say something that may be taken just slightly the wrong way. And just being, again, you're, you're making, um, not argumentative points. You're making a point and you're just standing by it. Cause that's, that's what you believe in whatever the case might be. But you're like, again, you're not argumentative. And <clears throat> I give you kudos for that. Cause it's, there's no way like anytime. And I have a hard problem and I'm trying to get off of social media as much as I can, other than for like business purposes or like to communicate with people that I actually know rather than just like, Hey, who the hell are you? Why are you following me? Um, <laughs> it is because of that exact fact is someone says something like my first reaction is like, you are going down whether, yeah. whether my opinion, it's an opinion, whether it's right or wrong, whatever the case might be, if, if you're coming after me and I just slap back at it, that's doing nothing for, for either one of us. It's, it's making it worse for me because you're just going to jump more than likely the other person's going to jump back on it. And if they don't, then you just feel like an asshole for doing it anyways. Um, and then it, well, you know that feeling you get when you're when you get that mad. You know that feeling <laughs> that like rises up and you start to feel kind of like numb, and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that, that <laughs> right there is what you're trying to control," <laughs> and that's why you have to practice. That's that's why. I mean, that yeah. is that is my entire point. That feeling should not exist. You should not get that feeling that fight or flight absolute just i can't see mm-hmm. feeling <laughs> that makes when sense. when you engage with people that don't have your opinion or even people who attack you because right. what they're saying is more of a reflection on them than you yeah i think i think m- more of my stuff lately has been i don't necessarily need someone to agree with me and I don't need to agree with someone else. It's the attacking part. Like I, I do have that very defensive kind of thing. And I don't know if it's a, how I was raised or whatever the case might be, you know, my family, so we're not going to get into that kind of <laughs> battle, but, um, you know, I don't know if it, it has, has do what? 
It, no, it does. It, you're, you're right. It a hundred percent does. Being defensive is, you know, the anxiety of being criticized. You know, when you get defensive, it is lashing out because someone has come at you and you're like, no, you know, oh, oh shit. <laughs> it is, it's, it's natural. And that's a feeling that un, being uncomfortable is something that we, we don't embrace anymore at all. In fact, we push it away and we try not to engage in uncomfortable situations and, and then, and we're really bad at it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's for horrible at it. Um, like we yeah. talked about my, my motto in the past few years is, is getting comfortable with discomfort. And there's a lot of little things that I've done that kind of add up to that. And having times like, like we're in now it's, it's definitely testing that and trying to see like, all right, Jonathan, like, are you, you know, you think you're somewhere, but you're obviously not because you still have a lot of work to do to get to places. But I mean, I've seen the changes I've made in, in trying to just put myself out there in situations to, to be criticized and to accept the criticism and learn from it and continue on and, and not be afraid to try. Um, I think one of my buddies had said, um, it will, I call him a buddy. I met him. He ran, I don't know if you know the story. It's a guy, his name's Pete. He ran from Kenai, Alaska to Key West, Florida, uh, in a, in wow. yeah, 98 days he did it in crazy thing is, is I didn't, apparently he, you know, he has, um, he has the world record for running across the country and he's got a bunch of races that he's won and stuff. I didn't know of this guy. Um, I'm actually in Alaska on vacation and I see this guy running with a, a stroller saying like Kenai to Key West. And I'm like, he can't mean like Key West, Florida, like there's no way. And then two days later on our way back to the airport, we saw him again. And I was like, Hey, maybe I should go run with him." And Kayla's like, sure. We pull over. I get out of the car. I run two miles with this guy and just talk to him and stuff. And we've been in contact ever since. But he had this thing of like, why would you do something like this? Why would you run from Alaska to Key West? Like, aren't you afraid of like failing or something? He's like, if you're not afraid of failing, it's not worth doing. You're kind of just living on the, I, I know the outcome before I even do anything. So what, what's the adventure in that? You had made mention of that talking about like the, going straight into the nine to five and missing out on the adventure, like just going straight into adulting. And I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was thrown into that, but when I, when I graduated college, my last semester, I was, um, sleeping on a couch of one of my family's friends because my dad moved to Tampa with his job change. So I didn't have anywhere to live. He's like, well, just transfer. I'm like, dad, I've been to five colleges already. Like I'd like to just graduate now. That would be great. And so the last semester I'm like sleeping on a couch and literally I graduate. I was working at Apple making eight bucks an hour. And I'm like, I know no one in Wellington. I can't afford to live in Wellington on $8 an hour. I'm like, how is this like, this is not going to play out well. So I moved to Ohio and it's like, all right, you know, at the time Kayla and I were already engaged, but even then it was like, all right, now start going to work, I guess. And that's just going to be your life. And for Mm -hmm. shit, that was in 2000, fall of 2008. So basically for nine years, I just kind of just went along with, you know what, this is this is what life is now. You know, this is, this is just all it's going to be. You know, I was happy ish. I was happy, but I felt not fulfilled. And then I realized like the thing that was holding me back was me and my, my ability to not embrace a situation that I wasn't certain of the outcome. Yep. That's, 
and that's anxiety in a nutshell. Also, <laughs> the fear of the uncertain is absolutely anxiety. And uh, the, the, the way to beat it is that you have to be certain in yourself to take on those uncertain situations. Um, and that was a game changer for me putting some self-worth into my value. Um, That's a big thing there too. I think your own value makes all the difference. Like when I was trying to leave BMW, I didn't feel like, I felt like that's all I could do. I, you know, I started in the call center and then I worked into data and I felt like that's all all I could do. I could only work here. I'm just going to end up retiring. I'm going to be here for another 10 years. Then I'll retire from here and, you know, I guess be a greeter at Walmart or whatever. And then I was just like, well, how do I like someone and then someone at work helped me realize like, no, you're, you're not a dumb person. Like you can apply yourself. And literally the first job I applied to, I got, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, why, why have I been so afraid of this change? And I've just like, just like, Oh no, I couldn't do it. I'm not, I'm not good enough for it. I mean, there's other smart people. I'm not one of the smart people. I'm just, I just got lucky and I got by and I'm here, but having that value in yourself, like believing in yourself helps, helps all of this really. Oh yeah. Switching to paralegal was exactly like that. I thought I'm not smart enough to do this. People way smarter than me. This isn't a, um, this isn't an area that I'm prepared for or that I'm intelligent enough to handle. And let me tell you, that's, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) But There's a lot to take on. However, what I learned about myself is that I can definitely handle it. Um, that is another area that I got completely uncomfortable with. Absolutely ridiculously uncomfortable. Um, working. So I guess I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, some, some more stories, I suppose. Yeah. From working in legal and the kind of stuff that, you know, makes you, makes you pretty uncomfortable when you have no choice, you have no choice. So like, first of all, starting out in divorce, um, you see everyone's financials period. I mean, I see your whole life, your debt, your credit card, everything you spent money on. I'm seeing everything. If there's a question of infidelity, then I'm actually going through and getting the receipts from your credit card company and looking at what you had for dinner at X, Y, and Z place. You know, it is very intimate. Um, when I was doing personal injury, I'm reading through medical records and everyone's, you know, life history kind of thing. It's, it's an interesting world. You definitely dive into things that you're not comfortable with. And the very first time, the very first time I was pushed to my limit was when we had a case and it was a divorce and we'd been, we were probably seven to eight months in and we had found out that the father was not acting appropriately with his children. So we made the move on that and called in, you know, police department and everything and, and went to the therapist and the children were four and six and four and six year olds don't tell stories that can hold up beyond a reasonable doubt in court. So the charges were dropped and it was a Friday afternoon and my boss wasn't there and I got the phone call and she was hyperventilating because she had to turn her children over to this man this weekend because of the parenting time arrangement. And now that there were no charges, that was the way things had to work. And that was the very first time that I was like, Oh my Lanta. Mm-hmm. 
So I started going through it actually so it channeled my Tony Robbins training. <laughs> Thank God I'd watched some documentaries and, you know, I started asking things like, you know, are you away from your kids? You know, where are you right now? Is, is everything okay? What do your surroundings look like? You know, I'm away from my kids. They're with this person. I'm in a room by myself. You know, I where you know, good. Okay. Then you called me, at least you're, you're talking to me kind of thing. Right. Um, we had two more times that were probably pretty uncomfortable that were beyond, you know, the normal thing you'd see. Um, I had a sergeant of the sheriff's department who had committed suicide partway through his divorce. And that was extremely uncomfortable because we ended up getting the suicide letter and it was, it was chilling. I mean, there's no other word for it. You just, it's, <clears throat> things you didn't realize you saw and you know, you're, then you're fighting for custody of the body so that the kids can have a funeral for the father. And then, you know, you have another case where we were criminal defendants and we, we did a good job. We were the criminal defense and this man was being accused of domestic violence and we did a pretty good job of shutting it down. And, uh, he, he, beat up his current girlfriend. And I thought that was on me. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to my boss and saying, you know, this is my fault. You know, this is our fault. And that was the first time we had to have the conversation where he said, listen, I understand why you feel that way, but you have to realize that your job is to make sure that he has a fair proceeding. That's it. It is the DA's job to make sure that he goes to jail and it is their job to make sure that that happens. It is your job to make sure that his process is fair mm -hmm. and that you, you uphold his rights. That is where you come in. You know, you have to realize that you have to separate yourself from, from your job and this being a personal thing because he, he said, do you not think he deserves a defense? Does he not deserve someone? And you're kind of thinking, well, no, I don't know if I believe that. Right. Yeah. But that's not, being in this practice, I can't say that because I stand for fair due process. So yeah, those are, that's where I started getting way more experience in being uncomfortable because I was having interactions with these people. I'm talking them through it. I'm dealing with it. I'm, you know, it's a, it was a new world and certainly opened my eyes and I'm glad, I'm glad that I am where I am. The corporate world has led me to, I'm now with a boss that has started a new firm. And so we're doing complex, I'd say pretty complex commercial and transactional, well, litigation and then transactional real estate deals. And then we also do, um, we're starting to do trademarks and um, bankruptcy. Hmm. So I'm out of the, <laughs> not of the very emotionally driven stuff, right. but everything I do is very uncomfortable. I mean, nobody likes to file for bankruptcy. Nobody likes to be sued. Nobody likes to be on the other side of that. And yeah, so it's, it's hard, but it's, it's super rewarding. I mean, yesterday we settled a case that was a family dispute over kind of a farming business and it had been a rough case, rough case 
just as far as family dispute. And uh, yesterday we ended up getting a pretty good settlement offer and he stuck it to him because I went through the accounting and traced the money and, you know, so those are the rewarding times, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but it's certainly not fun yeah. all the time. I mean, like you said, it's, it's one of those where I don't, I, I don't know if I could do that too. I mean, there's a lot of situations where like those kind of things, I would, I would feel the same way you did of like taking on myself, like this is our fault in that one situation. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough thing because you kind of have to separate yourself from there, especially in something as important as our legal system of, you know, everyone's due that, that fair trial. And, and you don't want to, you don't want to say, well, this guy, he's obviously like, he's doing this, but you're like, yeah, but you know, where, where do you then draw that line? If you say, well, this guy doesn't get a fair trial and like, well, who else doesn't get a fair trial? And then you're in situations like we're in now where you have to worry about what the hell's going on, you know, based off of your background, the color of your skin or whatever the case might be. Like, are you now being prejudged by the way you look um, or the way you act or, or, you know, it's, it's, that's a slippery, slippery slope. And I will say that kind of across the board, it would appear from that case, because that was kind of an abnormality in the personal injury field that we did kind of as a favor. Um, That's how they roll. I mean, the evidence collection was shoddy. The body cam stuff hadn't been sent over. We didn't have the, all the crime photos were taken by the victim. And there were a lot of, it was hard because you really wanted to throw them a bone because you're sitting here going, okay, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with my client's actions, but at the same time, like you have to do your job right. to put the person away. You know, there's, you have an obligation to go through the motions and do, do what you're supposed to. Right. And and it was an eye-opening experience that I don't know that that's what's happening in the legal system that isn't a private attorney, you know, that's going on with the public defenders and the, the district attorneys. So that is a scary, a scary realization because I have seen it. Um, I have been very, very close to a a wrongful death suit involving the police department. <laughs> um, yeah, 19 year old kid, it was super sketchy. And the internal affairs report did not contain the things that I really would have wanted to see to back that decision. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it didn't go anywhere. And what does that tell you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all- we also took on um, we also took on uh, stuff to do with the election that happened here in Colorado in the primary. Um, of course, I can't go into too many details on that, but we were shut down within a week, which is almost unheard of. I've never, in all of my experiences of paralegal, I've never had a case dealt with and thrown out in about a week. That's crazy. Ever. Yeah. So it's it's a different it's. Uh, it's a love hate world living in legal. Um, I really do like it, but yeah, it like is. you said, you have the, you have those wins that kind of quote unquote make up for the, sometimes the, the uncomfortable situations, but to your point with everything we've said here, <clears throat> being put in those uncomfortable situations has helped you grow, uh, more than you could imagine, you know, being in that with the, the divorce attorney and, and all of that, 
um, situation obviously helps you grow to be able to be where you're at now, you know, personally and professionally and that sort of thing. So, I mean, you know, we, we are all put in situations and again, it's how we react to those situations and, and how we have that mindset in it to embrace that uncomfortable situation and keep pushing through. And offer positivity to yeah. be able to be uncomfortable and be able to see. That's the, the thing, I guess, is if you have enough exposure to it, then you'll, un, I mean, not dull it. Like, yes, you will. You'll dull yeah. your senses to it. And that's something it's weird because I feel like we need that. If it makes any sense, you know, people really don't like being uncomfortable, but at the same time, it really does help you be able to listen, be able to function, find out who you are, be able to interact with others on a meaningful level. Um, it's being uncomfortable has been, has such a negative connotation. And you and I kind of talked about this before where I feel like everything should be more fluid and things should just be events that happen. And we should put less emphasis on the bad, I guess, and the dramatic of when bad things happen, it is super dramatic. And when good things happen, it's just kind of whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a zero and negative one game. Like if it's, if it's good, it's zero, but if it's bad, it's negative one, negative two. And it's like, well, we're just sitting here in the negative. We never have an opportunity to go positive because yeah. we just stay neutral in the situation. And sometimes it's not even bad. Right. Sometimes right. It's the perception that these things are bad when these things are just, you know, you lock your keys in the car, probably just a thing that happens. You know, I've done it a billion times and instead of getting frustrated with yourself, you just, you know, you, you just take the good with the bad and you kind of learn to roll with the punches. And for me, it certainly helped with mental health because it being so wound up all the time, and not having exposure to being uncomfortable and thinking that the world owed me to not make me uncomfortable was a detriment on my part. Mm. You get out there in the world and you, you get your hands dirty and sometimes you say things that are wrong. I don't know if you saw that, but I had posted something yesterday on Facebook and I was like, I had <laughs> re-looked at what I was doing or what I had posted and was like, oh, I don't agree with that. And so I revised it, I didn't take it down. I didn't take it down. I left it up and I revised, I revised my statement. And, and that's what I feel like you should be able to do. You shouldn't be on the hook for what you knew before then, as long as you've made it to a point where you know now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting point because we, you can see that. And obviously I'm not making um, light of a lot of the situations that have come up for like things that happened in the past and now they're getting brought up to people. But a lot of times it's things people said things or did things. And they're like, I had no idea that this was going to be like the biggest issue. It's like, you know, not to, not to promote people doing blackface or anything like that. But it's like when you have Jimmy Fallon after, however many years when he was on SNL, they did a bit that never aired all of a sudden that just gets brought up when all of this stuff starts resurfacing again. You're like, like serious, like he's obviously not going to do it now. He, uh, we understand that, Hey, things aren't right just because we did things in the past. And then we go, Oh shit, that was wrong. Let's make changes to make sure we don't do something like that. Again, you can't take back what's already been happened, ha what has already happened. But if you keep beating people down for the things that they did in the past, your people are going to be so 
scared to do anything because who knows who that's going to possibly offend later on. Yes. You're already seeing that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. There's already, nothing you can do. Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart took it pretty hard when, um, when he had his thing. I, don't, I actually don't really, I didn't read too much into it, but I do know that he was getting hated on pretty hard for a minute. Yeah. Um, right now there's a, um, I think it's Crystalia. I'm, I'm a big fan of Crystalia's comedy. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks of that. But like just a couple of days ago, he got was being called out on Twitter about um, like messing with underage girls is kind of the concept. And they showed like this was years ago kind of thing. And I'm like, it's, again, it's one of those like not to say you shouldn't you aren't a victim in a situation, but at the same point in time, just to blast someone now that he has a kid and he's back in the media limelight, like it is now the time to make that happen. But you see, like they showed like back and forth emails. He's like, yeah, like multiple people came out and said things and, and someone said like showed an email and it was like this girl emailing him, asking him to meet with like X, Y, and Z. And then he responded with something and then everyone's like, what a piece of shit he is. And I'm like, but did you not, did you not, did you not read? Like there's not a, what's, and like those kinds of things just frustrate me. And again, I'm not knowledgeable enough to understand the full circle of everything. I, I unfortunately try to keep a lid on everything that I read news wise, because I don't know, I'm not good at distinguishing what angle some of these things are coming from. And I don't want to have that bias of I'm only reading something from X and I'm only getting that one point of view and I'm not kind of getting the full picture. So, I mean, it's probably ignorant to say, but it's then I just don't look at any of it, which is obviously not a good thing to do either. Um, but so I just get my news from your Facebook feed. So keep it up because that's the only <laughs> way I'm going to know things happen. Katie. Uh, uh, yeah. And I do try to stay pretty down the line. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I don't, <laughs> I actually don't identify one way or the other <laughs> is, is interestingly enough. Um, it's, um, I do think I like the idea of the free market and the American dream and, and that using a free economy in the right way. Um, I also like, of course, you know, democracy and voting and having, having everyone involved, but the poll seems to be, do we want to stick with what we have or do we want to go to something that everyone else is doing that eh, is working out? Okay. But you know, here we have something that nowhere else does on the planet and dare I even say it like you'll be most uncomfortable here. If you come here, we have everything, you know, there's, you can make it your own way. You can fall on your face and you can, you can do whatever you like, be whoever you like. And that, that I think is something that is awesome and unprecedented in the rest of the world that you have that freedom. And we just have to be careful because I think we do want to maintain that while we do take care of everyone. But that, that freedom is, is something that a lot of those places have given up and individuality and, and being uncomfortable. Those are things that those countries don't have anymore. You know, they, they might be uncomfortable with the way, I don't know, are they, the, the China's using social credit and they don't, there's a lot of the people kind of our age and in our demographic, I guess, over there would be comparable, like it because there's advantages to being a good citizen where here there's only disadvantages if you're not, I suppose, is the way it reads right. sometimes. <clears throat> Yeah, on paper, it, on paper, it can look that way. Mm -hmm. So it's just very, 
it's a careful balance of not not going too far to where everything has to be protected and so comfortable that we don't expand our minds anymore. Mm, yeah. That we get into a point where things are so comfortable and kind of handed out that we just go with the flow and don't test anything. And I, in my opinion, those are the kind of where art starts to die, I suppose, is when you, when you lose the freedom to, to do that, to make art. And I'd say, in, you know, in places like China, it's a little less encouraged here. You can make art about whatever you like. We have all kinds of art. And I think that's amazing. All kinds of cultures, all kinds of learning experiences that other places just don't have. And I urge people to continue trying to be uncomfortable and get used to being uncomfortable rather than strive for just a world where you can live comfortably and, and just forget everything else where there's no struggle, no reason to live, no spice of life. Shit. I or whatever. <laughs> is that what it is? Right? Say la vie. Is that, isn't that the French term? Yes. Say la vie. Say la vie. <laughs> I didn't take French. I took Spanish. You took Spanish and I'm Puerto Rican and you know more Spanish than me. Um, like, so, so like full honesty, when you sent that message earlier on Facebook, I obviously had to Google it cause I had no idea what you said. Good. Yeah. <laughs> cause I'm like me dose. That's all I know. Um, oh God. <laughs> well, Puerto Rican. I, Spanish three. Do what? Didn't you go through Spanish three? No. Cause we've, we'll talk about this when we get off the air. I'm going to end on your high note and then we'll talk about how I don't know Spanish and I'll blame my father for it. Um, <laughs> But thanks for, for chatting with me for a good little bit. Uh, just, I think this is an important thing that people really need to kind of grasp because it kind of can make all of the difference. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. There should be, you shouldn't be offended and you shouldn't be afraid of it and it shouldn't be something scary. And you should honestly, I mean, look at all the things you can learn from it. If I hadn't gone out and kind of been, I don't want to say an antagonist, but if I don't, I actually make those comments and then people come to me because people don't want to say those things out loud themselves. So then they'll say something to me. Um, people also privately message me too. I'm open to that and, and, and talk to people. It doesn't, it's interesting what's come from that mm-hmm. come my way. A lot of learning, a lot of reconnecting with people, a lot of, I mean, I have been blocked a couple of times, let's be honest, but that's okay. We all have that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to have, if you guys want Katie on the show again, I think she's a wealth of knowledge in a lot of different areas and it's just fun to talk to her. So, uh, I have no problem having her back on. So thanks again, Katie, for joining me. Thank you. Yeah. So for everyone else, um, you can reach out to me on socials everywhere at flores.run. You should know that, um, because you should be listening to the show a lot. And if you don't, 
you should just do that anyways. I love you. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. A written review goes a long way. It helps all the algorithms and all the sciencey stuff, all that stuff we talked about earlier where they're tracking everything that you do and helping promote things that you do. This helps that. It helps other people find the podcast and maybe they can gather some, some useful information from the show. Um, you can visit my website at www.flores.run. Check out all of my race recaps. Um, I am updating the website. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff in the next few weeks once I can actually get to working on it. I got to love the day job keeping me busy, but thank you so much for listening to the show today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time and we'll see you next week.